Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Tuesday, March 1st. Time is flying by, right? You know, yesterday there was a new story. A lot of people put it out. I know my compadre, Duty Ron, uh, spoke about it on his show. And there was a renewed search uh, for Summer Wells. And whenever we hear that, we, of course, uh, get hopeful that they, they will find Summer Wells and they'll find Summer Wells alive. However, uh, there it, it doesn't appear to be any new information uh, in regards to this search. So many people have speculated that uh, maybe Don and Candace or both are, are talking at this point. Maybe they're coming up with new information. We have absolutely no information that that is true. And, you know, in these long-term uh, missing person cases, and look, um, Summer was reported missing June 15th. So it's, you know, in law enforcement, we face the reality of whether or not there's a like the likelihood that she could be found alive. And there is always, always, always hope. Someone missing that long-term, uh, there's some... There's some serious doubt whether that can, in fact, occur. You know, and the fact that they went searching yesterday, it gave us some hope, but but not, you know, we're not hearing that uh, someone's talking or they have new information. Uh, one of the reasons they're saying they're searching is because of just the changes in the terrain. The leaves have gone away. The ground frost has gone away. There's more to see. So uh, that was explained by uh, Ronnie Lawson, the sheriff, Ronnie Lawson of the Hawkins County Police. So we get our hopes up. However, there's, they haven't given us any indication that that is, in fact, the case. Search efforts. It is the first time there's been an on-the-ground search in the region in months. As you remember, Summer was reported missing by her family the evening of June 15th. The TBI issued an Amber Alert the very next day. As you may remember, emergency personnel from at least six states spent weeks scouring the area near her family's home. No sign of that little girl. Reporter Bianca Moraes joins us now live from the Beach Creek community to give us uh, an update on why law enforcement agencies were back in that area today. Bianca. Well, we're told law enforcement actually planned this search months ago when they were here last to see if they had missed anything. Crews from about a dozen agencies returned to Beach Creek to launch their second full-scale official search of the area immediately surrounding the Wells home on Ben Hill Road. We want to wait until this time of year when, after the frost and that the leaves are off the trees, we can see better and do a more detailed search, hopefully to find some kind of evidence that would help us find summer. Local, state, and federal resources were again utilized in today's search. Sheriff Lawson saying they used aircraft, 
drones, search dogs and ground crews to search every area. They may have missed something when the vegetation was too thick in the summer. I'm told the TBI has recently uh, received roughly 1,500 tips in the search for summer. Authorities ask anyone living in the Beach Creek area to continue to search their properties and go over trail camera footage in case any evidence of summer's whereabouts surfaces. Now, crews are wrapping up the search for today as the sun sets, and we have no idea whether they will be returning tomorrow. Live in Beach Creek, W-A-T-E-6 on your side. So, folks, you see, there was no, there's no new information that, uh, that they got tips. And I believe there's been 1,500 tips since summer went missing. However, in any large investigation, you know, a majority of the tips, um, believe it or not, are absolute nonsense. And But even having said that, you have to sift through all the tips and make sure you uh, dot your I's and cross your T's because you'd hate to miss a tip that was uh, extremely important. You know, and we had, um, we've gone over this case, I mean, from the very beginning, and there's been a lot of people, and you know, we get myself and duty run, we get questioned all the time as to why aren't we involved in an investigation? You know, we were cops. We almost formerly I was a detective sergeant with the NYPD Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Duty Ron was a detective, uh, fugitive enforcement. We that's not our job right now. Our job right now is to shine light on this case and to shine light to hopefully that. That old adage, if you see something, say something. But many, you know, content creators on YouTube, I think they haven't hung up their gold shield or whatever, and they still think they're investigating this case. And I think if you're investigating this case as a content creator, uh, uh, as a content creator, then you're doing a disservice to law enforcement. You know, I've just see, uh, in the chat, I'm seeing WJHL, uh, our local news just stated parents of Summer Wells are no longer cooperating. Uh, with law enforcement. You know, that could mean a couple of things. Um, that could mean either that they want protection uh, by invoking counsel or they truly don't know anything and they're lawyering up so they, they cannot be questioned any longer by law enforcement. So we can, uh, we can take that a couple of ways, you know, and, it's it's hard to say at this point. They've they've cooperated. I always felt from day one, and I still feel this way that they're involved in some way. Uh, whether Candace, in fact, gave the child to someone else to get her away from maybe their the horrible life that the child was leading with them. Look, they took their um, three other sons away. Um, their three sons they were, were taken from them. There they are in this picture. And they still haven't been returned. Don Wells is now in jail for uh, driving while intoxicated, among other things. So it's not a real loving, friendly, and um, nurturing family. It's a it's a dysfunctional family, at best. Uh, we we've seen the house. The house was a uh, a danger, just a total, absolute danger. Uh, wires all over the place. Uh, tripping hazards all over the place. Didn't look like it was very clean. So when you put all of those things together, um, you know, 
child protective agencies, I don't think they're going to return those children anytime soon. Now, the fact that they, they stopped cooperating, as I said, that could mean a, a couple of things. It could mean either, yeah, they're lawyering up because maybe um, TBI and the Hawkins County Police and the FBI were getting closer to getting them to talk. But that's, I think at this point, that's unlikely since they've they've been all over the place going on talk shows. They've been talking to everybody. However, um, now they can't. Now they can't be interviewed anymore. You know, we, we've seen all of these photos that you're seeing on the screen this little summer when she was driving from that uh, watering hole where they went swimming that day that she went missing with her, her head on the, the milk jug there. And people were speculating at that point that, and this again, this was back in June 15th, that she was dead in that point. And we had Barbara Butcher actually examine that photograph. And um, she uh, equivocally said that she felt that Summer was alive in that photo. So, you know, there's been so many twists and turns to this. Uh, Adoptioncams.com. Last night, uh, Candace Wells stated she didn't understand why she isn't being kept up to date on the searches. Does she know she has lawyered up? Lordy, those parents. You know, look, they're they're not um, worldly people. They're not smart people. We'll put it that way. I mean, I don't want people uh, to take the focus away from this case, which is, of course, on a missing uh, five-year-old girl, six-year-old girl. uh, And that's who the focus should be on. And there's no one uh, wants it more than to see Summer Wells be found alive. That would be unbelievable if she was found alive. But after all this time, uh, being from law enforcement, it's unlikely that she will be found alive, but it is, it is possible. It's absolutely 100% possible. Improbable? Yes. But you know something? If you believe in God, there's a possibility that she could be found. This was an early interview of Candace Wells when this first occurred. And we went in after we got done washing our hands and she got a piece of candy from grandma and she wanted to go back over and see her brothers. And I said, okay. And I walked her all the way over to the porch. And I watched her walk into the kitchen where the boys were watching TV. And I told the boys, I said, watch Summer. I'll be back. And within two minutes, I came back. And I asked the boys where their sister was. And they said, she went downstairs, mom, to play with her toys in the playroom. I said, okay. And I yelled downstairs for her a couple times, and I didn't get no answer, which was unusual because usually she always answers me. And so I went down there to check, and she was nowhere in sight. She was just gone. I don't go on walks around here or runs because I'm scared of the bears and snakes and even the coyotes that are around here. Well, whoever has my daughter... I pray and hope that they have not harmed her and they bring her back to us safe and sound. Just turn, I mean, go to the FBI. You know, when I first watched that, uh, when it first came out, I mean, I was, of course, uh, disturbed because to me, she appeared that she was intoxicated, either by alcohol or drugs or a combination of both. And that was disturbing to me. And, um, because they had four kids that they had to provide for. And then Don um, 
Wells was just just way too smooth and way too calm. And I, you know, my law enforcement uh, instincts perked up at that point. And I just thought, like, when you hear him speak, he's just too cool. And it was getting out of control. So she, we decided to shave her head off and let it grow back long. And she shaved her head to, to, so she wouldn't feel bad. And, uh, but, but it didn't bother her at this point. Well, we knew, I knew right away that she was abducted. See, that was crazy. Uh, he knew right away that she was abducted. I, I thought that uh, early on. And I know s- some of you folks in the chat, you've seen that video a million times. But you always, you know, one of the things about major investigations, and I would say homicide investigation, although this has never been declared a homicide, is that you have to always go back. You have to go back and review the work that you did and see that if there was something maybe you missed, was there something you missed, something you overlooked? Let's start all over, you know? And that's what investigation is. Of course, it's an art and a science, which I've said a million times on, on this show. But it's it's important that you keep going back. So I'm sorry that uh, some of you in the chat get uh, annoyed that I played that video again, but that was probably one of the most important videos um, to watch, to show what and who these people are, you know? I thought it was very important. You know, last night, Duty Ron had uh, Dave Rader on, uh, who I can't say enough about. Brilliant man. He's the head of Midwest EquiSearch, and Dave has made uh, Duty Ron, myself, and Phil Grimaldi honorary law enforcement liaisons. And let's hear what he had to say, because he was here early on in this investigation, offering their services to search, and they have searched. And I'm just going to put uh, Dave Rader on for a bit. We're going to listen to Dave. A little bit. This was him last night on Duty Run's uh, podcast. Where the investigation is going. So, I mean, you could have uh, an area that was checked, but if the if the uh, the weather didn't permit it to 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 cover that area enough, then they'll go back and revisit it. The same way as if uh, if it, if it's heavy, uh, heavily with the thickets and uh, the briars and, and things are now, you know, as we know, they're, they're not in bloom yet. So this would be the perfect time to go back to those, those, uh, those areas and walk through it because it's easy to miss when, when the vegetation and the growth is there. So you, you now have, have an opportunity to where it's not so thick and you can concentrate with what's, what's in front of you uh, a lot, a lot easier. Right. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is each time I speak to you guys, whether it's, you know, this case or um, all the cases that we currently are working and that have worked in the past, you know, there's sometimes where I get on the phone with Dave or Twyla and they're like, uh, we have a search in the mud, in, you know, in the mud in, in the middle of East Tennessee or we're, we're in Ohio somewhere searching for, um, you know, researching and doing digging and doing things of that nature. It's not uncommon that law enforcement in different various levels of it, state, local, federal, you guys have worked with the feds, you've you know, worked with the state. Um, these, as you say, Dave, these investigations are active and, and, and they could have information, like they said, this was a planned search. Well, it could have been planned yesterday. It could have been planned overnight, last night, or it could have been planned five days in the past. 
we don't know and we don't have access to those case files and and they don't share that information with you guys twilight you you deal with a lot of uh locals and you deal with a lot of different various you know agencies they're not sharing they're not opening up their case file and saying hey twilight take a look at this they're saying no we need you to go search do you want to talk just a little bit about that twilight you're absolutely correct with that. They only give us the information that they want us to have that would be helpful when we are out there conducting a search. From what I understand, I don't even think um, I don't think anybody knew about this search except for law enforcement um, when they went out there today. Yeah, I, I agree 100 uh, percent. Whether it's a new area or if it's a research of old area. They- You know, folks, early on in this investigation, uh, before the police knew that this was going to become a long, drawn-out investigation, they had said that, uh, you know, they may have to wait until the ground and the terrain allowed for a more in-depth search because they know, the Hawkins County Police know how difficult this terrain is, and no one knows it better than Equisearch. I mean, these guys are just absolute heroes, you know, and one of my goals, one of my, my bucket list is to go out with Equisearch on one of their searches one of these days, and I'm going to do it. Hopefully I'll do it with Duty Ron. I'll do it with Phil Grimaldi. And uh, I would be, it would just be an amazing thing uh, to go out with them and be, be part of their team just for one time. I would just love to do that. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube Hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. We also have a YouTube uh, where you can join up. We have five different uh, membership levels on our YouTube. And we'd appreciate for all your support. We And we thank our Patreon members and our YouTube channel members for all that you guys do. Uh, we really appreciate it. You know, I wanted to talk about just... Briefly, and it, it doesn't have anything to do specifically with this case. But in New York, there was a case of, of this young man who's on the screen right here. And he became almost the poster boy for missing children around the nation. And his name was Eton Pates. And I believe he was about five or six years old when he went missing from Soho. That's an area below Houston Street in New York City. And, you know, it became, he became the kid on the milk carton, actually, you know, and he was listed as, as a missing child for so long. I mean, just a hot, heartbroken situation where this young little boy just went missing. I mean, you think of his parents, uh, it's just, it's just an incredible thing. And we compare that again, Summer Wells, five years old, they're around the same age. And again, Eton Pates, and years went by, years and years and years. And finally, in I believe it was uh, 2017, they got information and they made an arrest of a, a, a man. His name was um, uh, Pedro Hernandez. And he worked in a bodega right near Eton Pates' uh, house. And he lured him into the basement of the bo- bodega and he killed Eton Pace, but that wasn't known for 30 something years. So the parents had to live with that. And in 2017, 
Hernandez was tried and convicted, and he's now doing life. But that, that's, I mean, is it closure? Is that closure? The parents found out now that their son was, in fact, killed and uh, never never recovered. They never, duty, Ron, is, is on the Sergeant Cannon. Thank you for your coverage. You're a true professional. I'm honored to be friends with you, Bill. Thank you so much, duty, Ron. There's no one in the in the YouTube world um, who has helped me more to get my channel running than duty Ron. And I appreciate that and everything that he's done for me. I think I'm the only one on YouTube that's, that's allowed to, without even asking to use some of his, uh, his video from his episodes. And I appreciate that too, because he gets some of the greatest guys, Dave Rader. I mean, from Equisearch, just incredibly unbelievable. So getting back to this, um, D.D. Robert, I'm just going to put what you, um, you set up there. Um, just, just escaped me there. Um, yeah, we all love Duty Ron. Duty Ron's got a great show. He's, his heart is in the right place. Um, Jamie Pimentel, yes, Eton Pates, it's sad, and there was a programming on TV, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. When I saw the pic and his sketch as a grown-up, it was heartbroken. You know, we 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 also talk about cases that remain unsolved. John Benet Ramsey, um, cases that are just that are baffling. You know, and you hope that uh, as time goes by with um, technology, with science, that some of these missing children can be found uh, with advances in DNA. We've seen it all the time with genealogy. Uh, unbelievable. I had a young man named Eric Schubert come on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he just helped solve a 58-year-old murder of a nine-year-old girl in Pennsylvania through genealogy. I mean, when you talk about it, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, the technological advances. And I'm not, you know, look, on missing children, you got to just keep searching for them. And you got to do all the things that are police related. We talk about police. What the what's the real police do? What do the real police do? Well, the real police do police work. And the real police work, we like to refer to it on the NYPD as shaking the tree. When you shake the tree, sometimes the coconuts fall to the ground, you know? And in this way, what I'm talking about when I say shaking the tree, uh uh, Marley, Marlena Kayantu, uh, I just came in, so I apologize if this has already been discussed. I just saw a clip of Ronnie Lawson saying parents are not cooperating. They have attorneys. Yes, uh, Marlena, we discussed that, that someone brought that up early in the show. And I said at this point, it either means everything or it means nothing. You know, they could have reached the point where, yeah, maybe they started to talk or maybe they started implicating themselves or maybe they just don't want to be interviewed anymore. Maybe they've, you know, it's been months and months, what, nine months since this occurred. Maybe they just have decided that um, they don't want to have the police or anyone interview them anymore. So that's a potential, that's a possibility there too. But when we talk about these cases, I talk about Eton Pates, of course. I mean, not just heartbreaking for the family. Of course, the family were the ones that suffered the most with this. Um, Eton Pate's family, 30-something years. And and then we talk about uh, police work and shaking the tree. Sometimes you come up with information through the criminal underground. And how do the police do that? 
by doing their job, by making arrests, by making drug arrests, by cutting deals with people to talk, uh, by having confidential informants out on the street. I'm sure there's a huge, well, I'm not saying huge, but there's a, a, a substantial size criminal element in Hawkins County. So the Hawkins County Police, and I know it's a small police department, they need to shake the tree. Who's part of the criminal justice system also? Corrections. Corrections. They have an intelligence branch to corrections. People in jails, people in prisons, they talk. That information can be invaluable. And um, Sergeant Friday, yes, when they caught the Golden State Killer, that was a wow. Absolutely. And we're going to see more and more of those wow cases as you know, more and more people really need to go into the field of genealogy. More and more people um, need to be trained in it. The gentleman we had on, uh, Eric Schubert, he taught himself how to do it. Incredible. And uh, Cece Moore is another woman who's one of the best in the, in, the, in the country. She taught herself how to do it. Maybe we need some criminal justice agencies learning from these people and teaching law enforcement how to do it. It's apparently once someone does it and once someone learns how to do it, it's an addicting profession and they love to do it. And C.C. Moore, who's another um, genealogist, has unbelievable success rates. Uh, it's just incredible, you know. Um, again, time to sow. I just saw Sheriff Lawson talking to a report. He said Don and Candace are not cooperating. They lawyered up. Yes, we we sort of expected that to occur at some point. Um, you know, we, we I actually expected it to happen earlier. But it seemed like that they were they were sort of enjoying the attention in a way. Uh, they were going on YouTube shows. They were they were even on Doctor Phil. You know, I don't know why they went on Doctor Phil. Um, there's some pictures on the screen of uh, Summer Wells, and we all hope and we all pray that she will be found alive. But in the meantime, law enforcement and the public, and even uh, YouTube content creators have to keep this case out in the forefront so that people don't forget Little Summer, you know, and all other missing children uh, throughout this country, which there are numerous, you know, and not all of them, unfortunately, get the attention that this case have, has gotten. This case has become, you know, almost like the... Uh, Gabby Petito case. Zana Elise Hoth Johnson, thank you so much for the 30 super sticker. I really appreciate that. All you guys that um, support police off the cuff, real crime stories, uh, we're very thankful because um, as you subscribe to us, it makes us a stronger channel. It makes me want to do, makes me want to be on the air three times a day, you know. Uh, maybe I'm a ham that way, but uh, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, Alicia B., Hopefully, law enforcement has gotten info from the phones that will lead to resolution. We use our phones so much, there must be info on this. You know, Alicia B., we had spoken about that really early on in the investigation and about the science part of it, which would be the cell phones, the pinging of the cell phones, uh, and hopefully, you know, the text messaging back and forth between Don and Candace. 
But the police should have had that for months and months now. So I don't know if it's um, complicated. I don't know. I don't believe we know who the attorney is. Um, I would think that because Don and Candace don't appear to have any money, it's probably a legal aid attorney that's paid for by uh, taxpayers. I don't think that um, they can afford a private attorney. Um, Covers by Livy, yes, there is a reward. It's it's up to $74,000, uh, a reward um, for uh, finding or getting information that leads to recovering uh, summer wells. So the fact, again, guys, the fact we don't know, we don't, and we say it a million times, but it's so true, we don't have access to the case folder. Um, so we can't say what they know, what they don't know. We just know from working major investigations uh, before that what is done and what should be done and what leads they should be doing. And I mentioned shaking the tree and how the police have to shake the tree. Olivia Scrooby, I think that Don is being pressured to tell the truth while in custody. I think they are interrogating him. You know, uh, Olivia, they can't just interrogate him because he's in jail. He still has civil rights. He still has the rights of a person accused. And if they interview him and he's not in custody and he's not a suspect, they don't have to read him Miranda. But if he's in custody for this and considered a suspect, they must read him Miranda. And for them to speak to him, he has to waive Miranda. And if he doesn't waive Miranda, and Miranda, for you guys that aren't police, it's you know, you have the right to remain silent. If you give up that right, everything you say can and will be, that's your Miranda warnings. So when those are read to you, if you invoke counsel, at that point, the police um, can no longer speak with you. All right. So that's um, Thomas Jordan. Thank you for the compliment. You are the best. I appreciate that. Um, guys, just uh, know that there is a ton of evidence, ton of information that the police, the TBI has, the FBI has, that has never been released to the public. Most of you guys that are listening now, uh, you followed the Gabby Petito case. And all of the information, all the evidence they had for months and months and months that we were never privy to finally came out in the end when the case was in fact closed. But it took all that time for them to release that evidence. So I believe that... Uh, the Hawkins County Police, the TBI, and the FBI have a lot of evidence that they're keeping close to the vest, as we say, uh, in law enforcement. Um, so it's that information is information that they know, and they only they know for a reason. And it's sometimes important to keep it close to the vest because you know they get um, hundreds and hundreds of tips. So if all the information was out there with the public, you could get a lot of crackpots calling in tips just based on the information that the police have released to the public. So the police don't need that. They don't need to make extra work for themselves. So they only release information that will, in fact, help, help the investigation, not hurt the investigation. Now, if they release too much information, it, in fact, uh, it hurts the investigation, you know? Mickey Mantle, in my book, there is no forgiveness for anyone who harms or willfully neglects a child. None. That's that's 100% true. I agree with you. Um, we talked about the Eton Pates case. Right here is a picture of uh, the perpetrator in that case. His name was um, 
Pedro Hernandez, and he was free for 30 something years. And they developed the case against him. And he, in fact, confessed to killing Eton Pates and then tried to rescind uh, his confession. But his confession was held up in a court of law. A judge allowed it. That's a picture of Eton Pates. And he was sentenced to life in prison. Is it good that his parents found out, uh, even after all those years, what, what happened to him? People always need, and we all need, we need closure, you know, even though the closure of, of that case was horrendous. And so many of these cases, the closure part is is just finding out how and where and when your loved one was killed. And those are the things that are so heartbreaking. Those are the things that us that have worn the badge and worked in law enforcement that we have seen. Those are the things that we've had to make death notifications to families that were so difficult that, you know, breaks your heart, you know. And these are the type of cases that break your heart. And, you know, look, many people have all kinds of um, different opinions on this case as to what occurred this summer. Oh, right away people have said, oh, she was kidnapped. Uh, you heard Don Wells say that. Oh, I believe she was kidnapped with no evidence whatsoever. I thought that was a little bit strange when he said that. And Candace said the th same thing. Whoever took her, remember they said that early on in the investigation? Whoever took her, please bring her home. I mean, it just just crazy. So, look, we can only hope and pray that the police have more information than we know and that one day Summer Wells will be recovered, and we hope she's recovered alive. Uh, but we have to face that with all this time going by, with no breaks in this case, the potential for her to find be found alive is uh, very slim. However, I would never say it's impossible, but it's uh, it's slim, you know. Um, you guys uh, that have been following us, I really appreciate it. I, I know Duty Ron appreciates you guys following this case. There's been so many people on the YouTube, these YouTube channels. We call them content creators, many of them who are not former police that have put out a lot of um, conjecture, a lot of things out there without any evidence whatsoever. But we try to give you these, the case from a police perspective, from our experience as working for the greatest police department in the world, the NYPD. I don't say that trying to be cocky. It just happens to be a fact of life. It's the greatest police department in the world. And we worked in some of the greatest units in the world. Uh, the unit I was in, Manhattan North Homicide Squad, probably one of the best homicide squads in the world. Because for the greatest police department in the world, I'd have to say that Manhattan North Homicide Squad was one of the greatest homicide squads in the world. And there's other ones probably uh, just as great right now, Chicago, uh, Miami, you know, Baltimore, these places that get uh, and are getting murders off the hook. The more murders you get, and you watch, you, you, sometimes you watch that show, The First 48, which happens to be a, a favorite of mine. There's some great police departments across this country. And I think we as civilians have to appreciate their work because um, it's not easy work, you know. And this type of work uh, takes a chunk out of your heart that you never get back, you know. And we get it back in a form of PTSD. And I'm not complaining because I wouldn't give up my police experience 
for anything in the world. I had a great career, and um, I look upon it, I'll look back on it as what as making me the man I am today. And anyone that's worn that badge, Lieutenant Pete, Duty Ron, um, Phil Grimaldi, you know, you guys all know that that's, uh, that's, that's the truth, you know. Uh, Sergeant Friday, I don't have confidence in their statements, but I want her safe and sound. The window of time is that it's highly improbable she's alive. Breaks my heart. Sergeant Friday, um, I echoed uh, exactly what you had to say. So, folks, uh, I just wanted this is a police off the cuff real crime stories. I do one of my shorter ones during the day called Coffee with Cannon. I'm on tonight at 9 p.m. if you're around tonight. And I'm having two uh, women on who have a podcast called Ivy League Murders. And they actually reached out to me as if they could come on the show. And I was flattered. I said, absolutely. They have a really cool podcast. Their names are Laura Rodriguez McDonald and um, Sarah Alcorn. So if you're around tonight at 9 p.m., tune into our channel uh, and uh, join us. We're going to have a good time. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. And uh, I want you to um, to stay safe and keep following Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Have a great day. One episode, just